All day long, we're bombarded with messages that seek to persuade us of two things. And those two things are that we are or ought to be discontent. So we're bombarded with the message that we are or ought to be discontent and that contentment is only one step away. That contentment is only one step away. Use me, buy me, eat me, wear me, drive me, put me in your hair. I mean, think about hair. You can wash it, condition it, mousse it, dye it, curl it, straighten it, wax it. If it's growing in places that it shouldn't, rogaine it if it needs to be growing in other places. So we realize in America, people are healthier, cleaner, richer, smarter than ever. But are we happy? Are we content? in the things that we have, being one of the richest people in all the world. The truth is contentment is never achieved by satisfying our desires, realize our desires. Once they're satisfied, then we don't stay satisfied. We want something else, something greater. The lust of the flesh can never be satisfied. If we think something can make us content, then we're being fooled. As we come to the final part of our study on finances, we want to look at contentment. It's hard in our society, even those who seek to live for Christ, we are still in this world. We're not to be of this world, but we're still in the world, and there are pools that are reaching out daily to grab us. And so we are fallen people, the flesh, the world that affects our flesh that we're living in. So all of those things um, are pulling us. And if you look at Proverbs twenty-seven twenty, it says there that... Um, you got 30 here? Yeah, it should be 20, 27, 20. There is no 30. Yeah, there is no 30. <laughs> Somebody's taken away from my Bible. <laughs> Somebody want to read Proverbs twenty-seven twenty? Sheol and Abaddon are never satisfied, nor are the eyes of men ever satisfied. Okay, and so we see there that the eyes of men are never satisfied. We're always wanting more, more, more. No matter if we see it, we get it, then we're not satisfied. We want something more. Why? Because things cannot satisfy. The more we have, the more we want. We get something we want. Then what do we do? We want something more. So as we... Hey, how are you? So as we finish tonight, we'll look at three things. Number one is contentment. We'll talk about what it, what it is. And then we're going to look at Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and see why contentment is not in things. And then number three are three things to focus on in our lives. So contentment, what is it? Ecclesiastes 5, why contentment uh, is not in things, and then three things to focus on in our lives. Okay, sorry. Three areas. Is that where we're at? Yeah. Yeah. So one. Number one is contentment. Okay. We're going to talk about what it is. And then we're going to look at Ecclesiastes chapter 5. So that's number two. Yeah, number two is Ecclesiastes chapter 5. And we're going to talk about why contentment is not to be in things. Why they're not to be in things. 
And then number three are three things to focus on in our lives. Three things to focus on in our lives. So those are the three major sections that we're going to look at. You're welcome. So let's begin with what is contentment? We want to be content, but what is it? How do we become content? Well, let's start with what it is not. And number one there for what it is not, it is not found in having everything. It is not found in having everything, but in being satisfied with everything that we have. It is not found in having everything, but being satisfied with everything that we have. The truth is, if we're not satisfied with what we have, we'll never be satisfied with what we want. A.W. Pink gives a good view of how to be content. He says, contentment is the product of a heart resting in God. Contentment is only possible when we have the attitude of accepting everything that enters our lives as coming from the hand of God who is too wise to make a mistake and too loving to hurt us. So whatever it is that comes into our lives, it's because God has given it to us and He's too wise to make a mistake and too loving to hurt us. So realize a truth we've seen before, but we have to learn to be content. It's not natural. Philippians 4, chapter 11, you know, Paul's talking about his life, and he says, I've learned to be content in whatever circumstance I am in. And so whether he has much, whether he has little, he's learned to be content. So contentment is not natural. That's why the world and and people in the world are are not content because it's something that has to be learned and we can learn it through looking at the truths found in God's Word. So how can we be content? Understand that contentment goes back not to things that we have, but our relationship and fellowship with Jesus Christ. The foundation for contentment comes when we as children of God keep our focus on the fellowship with our Savior. Hebrews 12, 2 tells us to run the race with endurance, keeping our focus on Jesus Christ. As we focus on Jesus Christ, rather than the things that surround us, the circumstances that surround us, the things that we want, the things that we that we think we have to have, um, then if we keep our focus in the right place, then we'll move in the right place. We'll learn to be content. But there are some truths that will help us as we think about contentment. And number one is that God is sovereign and is in control. God is sovereign and is in control. And that's what we said before. You know, He works all events according to the counsel of His will. He works all things together to, for good. Um, whatever, you know, is happening, it's all a part of God's plan. And He is in control. Number two is God is good. God is good. He loves us beyond what we could ever ask or imagine. We are content when we realize that He is going to do and give us exactly what is best for us. So God is good, and we have to remember that. Even in the circumstances of life, in however little or however much we have, 
God has given it to us and we need to use it wisely and know that He is good no matter how much we have. Then number three is God will supply our needs. God will supply our needs. We're going to look at Matthew 6.33 later on. But you know, if Christ is our, is our priority, if we're seeking first His kingdom and His righteousness, then God's going to supply our needs. Philippians 4.19, My God will supply all your needs according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So God will supply our needs. And then number four is, we are special and unique in Jesus Christ. We are special and unique in Jesus Christ. Psalm 139, we are unique. We are created just the way God wanted us to be. We are His children. John 1.12, but as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God, even those who believe in His name. So we are, we are children of God. We, are, we went from death to life. We, we have everything that we need to live godly lives in this world. And we're just like God created us. We have exactly what God needs us to have. We don't need things to make us important or special. We're already important. We're created uh, in the image of God. We're created by God, and we are children of God. So the goal, simply put, is to trust God to supply what we need. Trust God to supply what we need. And then number two is use all we have for His glory. The key is faithfulness. 1 Corinthians 4.2 Moreover, it is required of stewards that one be found faithful. And that's what we want to do. We want to be faithful in all that He has entrusted us with. So now let's take a look at Ecclesiastes chapter 5, just a few pages back in your Bible. And it shows us why money and things can never bring contentment. This passage gives us a number of biblical truths to show us that things can never bring contentment, that we can never be satisfied in things. So we're going to look at six aspects found in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 10 through 15. So does somebody want to read Ecclesiastes chapter 5, beginning at verse 10 and going through verse 15? Out loud. <laughs> he who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves abundance with its income. This too is vanity. When, God, when, when good things increase, those who consume them increase. So what is the advantage to their owners except to look on? The sleep, the sleep of the working man is pleasant, whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of a rich man does not allow him to sleep. This is a grievous evil which I have seen under the sun. Riches being hoarded by their owner to his hurt. When those riches were lost through a bad investment in the, and he had fathered a son, then there was nothing to support him. As he had come naked from his mother's womb, so he will return as he came. He will take nothing from the fruit of his labor that he can carry on his hand. All right. 
So we see six different truths um, through this passage. And number one is money and things do not satisfy. He who loves money will not be satisfied, uh, nor what can he buy. Why? You just want more and more stuff. When you want things, you keep wanting things. They can't satisfy. There's always a newer model, something bigger, something better that we can have. Oscar Wilde says, in this world, there are only two tragedies. One is not getting what you want. The other is getting what you want. Because neither are you satisfied. If you don't get it, you're not satisfied. If you get it, you've got it. Now you're not satisfied because you want something more. Number two is, the more you have, the more you spend. The more you have, the more you spend. When, when goods increase, if you have more, then you do what? You consume more. And people do that all the time. You know, if, if only I had a little bit more money, then, you know, I could be satisfied. I could take care of everything that all my needs and, you know, I can have some of my wants, some of my desires. But you get a little more, and then what happens? You increase your what? Your standard of living. And so now, man, if I just had a little bit more, then you increase your standard of living. And now if I just had a little bit more, rather than being content with what you have already, if God blesses you with more, then you see it as more opportunities to, to help other people, to give, to serve and and use that, you know, and so we'll talk more at the end, you know, get a a comfortable level of lifestyle and live at that lifestyle. So the more you have, the more you spend. You know, a lot of people they they say, you know, if I just have a little bit more then I can give a little bit more, but we've seen, you know, in previous chapters that that doesn't happen that, you know, people that have $100,000 more than somebody that has $30,000 and somebody that has $130,000, their giving is very minimally increased even though they have so much more. So number three is things and money bring worry. It says the sleep of a working man. You know, he can't sleep. The rich man, no sleep. Why? Because he's worried what's going to happen with his properties. You know, is the stock market going to go down and I'm going to lose a bunch of my money? You know, whenever you have a bunch of things, then what happens? There's always things that break because you have more things, then there's more things to break. And so there's more things to service, more things to keep up, more things to clean. And so, you know, then it just causes you anxiety and it causes you to worry because you have more things. And so more things give you more things to be concerned about. So, you know, you've got boat, you've got a summer place. I mean, you've got these extra things, but then there are more things to worry about and more things that you have to deal with. Then number four is the more things we have, we tend to 
hoard, we keep for ourselves. It's evil riches of being hoarded. It's what verse 13 says. We keep what we have. The truth is, the more we have, the less we want to give away. We just want to hoard it all up. We want to hold on to it. You know, it's like the the parable in the Bible. You know, this guy's got this and he's getting more and so tear down the barns, build bigger ones so I can keep it all and hold it all for myself. But we see at the end that everything is going away. Number five, things are easily lost. A bad investment. When we have a lot, sometimes there's a lot to lose. And so that happens many times. First Timothy six seventeen, we're not to trust in fleeting riches. Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly supplies with all things to enjoy. So, you know, don't put your Hope, put your hope your, on the things of this world, the uncertainty of riches, but on God. And so again, there we see where's contentment come from? It comes from God. It doesn't come from the things that are in this world. Proverbs 23, 4 and 5 says, Do not worry yourself to gain wealth. Cease from your consideration of it. When you set your eyes on it, it is gone. For wealth certainly makes itself wings like eagles that fly toward the heavens. And so, you know, so oftentimes we've got money, we we put our our hope in, in this money and that this is what's going to you know, sustain us, take care of us. And we're putting all of our hope, all of our trust in our finances rather than in God. You know, um, earlier on in my life, um, my dad, he had a he had a business over in Tulsa selling recreational vehicles. And uh, we lived in Pawnee and um, drove back and forth every day. And um, one of those days, um, you know, he was in a car accident, um, busted his head open from there to there. Three quarters of, the, of his head was busted wide open, broke his neck. And um, so just in a matter of a few months, we went from having, you know, all the comforts, conveniences and and you know pretty much everything we wanted to having nothing at all and having to sell his business at just whatever we could get out of it to get out of it um because i mean he was what made the business what it was and with him he was in the hospital for several months and in a halo brace and laying at home with couldn't do anything for for many, many months. And so anyway, um, you know, I mean, I saw that in, in living color of what it looked like to, to have so much and to go to, to having nothing in just a short amount of time, in a matter of months. And so, you know, you can't put your hope in the, in the certainty of riches because, you know, 
anything can happen to anyone at any time and and those things can go away and so things cannot satisfy we get our satisfaction in Christ number six things can't satisfy because they are temporary you know we see we come into this world naked and we're leaving in the same way come with nothing we leave with nothing no hearst with a luggage rack or you know George Strait sings about that. 1 Timothy 6, 7, For we've brought nothing into the world, so we cannot take anything out of it either. All we have while we're here, we're just passing through, we're going to leave it here on this earth for other people. And so we don't need to hoard up. We don't need to, to hold on to things. We do need to provide for um, those that we leave behind but these things they can't satisfy things can't bring contentment so what do we see there's six things that we saw there number one things can't satisfy the more wealth we have the more we spend so we change our lifestyle number three is we more things that we have it causes us to worry um, you know the more things we have the more things there are to go wrong the more things we have to protect from other people coming and stealing them, taking them, um, breaking down all of those things so they cause worry. Um, the more things we have, the more we tend to hoard and, and hold on to. And then things are easily lost. You know, things come and go very fast and things are temporary. They're not going with us. Only three things that will last forever. That's God, His Word and people and so that's where we need to be investing if we're investing in those things we'll have contentment in our lives so as we come to an end let's see three things to focus on as we live on this earth three things to focus on number one is to seek the eternal is this on 109 or 108 108. Okay, I thought you had just given us three things. I'm confused. Okay. Don't, don't. I just gave you six. I gave you six things. Now I'm giving you three things. Okay. Um, <laughs> with three subtitles. All right. So the first one is seek the eternal, and he's got Matthew 6:33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to us. If you look at that passage of Scripture, we see that these things, if you go back to verses 31 32, you see food, shelter, clothing, the things that we need, God will provide. And so we're to seek the eternal things. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, you know, we set our minds on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. And so we're to be looking toward those eternal things. We're to seek to live for Jesus Christ, you know, while we're here on this earth. Romans 12, 1 and 2, that we're to offer our lives as a living sacrifice. So what are the things that last? I just said them all ago. What are the three things that last? The three God's, th word. God's Word. God's promise. Eternity. God and people. And so those are the three things that we need to be investing in, the three things that are eternal. 
God Himself, we need to be spending time with Him. We need to be in His Word. We need to be spending time in prayer. We need to be meditating on His Word. We need to be memorizing His Word. You know, and getting to know Him. We always talk about, you know, like in the 412 and stuff, there's a difference between knowing the Word of God and knowing God. And, you know, I think the, the key is in, like, we differentiate having a quiet time. You get to know God. I want to know the person of God. I want to communicate with God in a back and forth kind of a scenario that, you know, I get a word from Him. I pray, I meditate on it in thinking about who is the person of God. And then Bible study is to know the Word, to dig the Word deeper so that we can know His Word. And so um, so we want to know God. We want to know His Word because those are eternal. And then we need to be investing also our time in our finances on other people, leading people to Christ, bringing them to maturity um, so that whenever we present them, before Christ at the judgment seat of Christ, we'll hear Him say, well done, good and faithful servant. So that's how, we have, that's how we're content, by focusing on the eternal, focusing on people, for focusing on Christ. Number two is learn to be content. Learn to be content. In Philippians chapter 4, I talked about it earlier, um, But that's where Paul says, not that I speak from want, I've learned to be content. I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means. I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. And so contentment is a learned process. It's not natural. So how do we learn to be content? Well, A is we realize that all we have comes from God. 1 Corinthians 4.7 says, For who regards you as superior? What do you have that you did not receive? And what did you... And if you did receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? And so, you know, whatever we have, it came from God. God gave it to us. He knows what is best for us, what we can handle, what we can't handle. And that's in positive ways and negative ways. You know, a lot of times we talk about, you know, God won't give you any more than you can handle. Well, you know, so He's putting these burdens on me, but He's not going to give me too much that I can't handle. But He's also not going to give you too much that you can't handle on the positive side either. Because some people are like, man, if God would just bless me, you know, with $100,000, you know, I could use it wisely. I can do this. But He's not going to give you that $100,000 because He knows what you would do with it. And so sometimes, you know, He's not going to give you more than you can handle that's scripture, either. First Corinthians 4, 7. Yeah, but that, do we read it again? Because it doesn't, He will give you more than you can handle. There's more to that scripture. First Corinthians. First Corinthians 4, 7. 
For who regards you as superior? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? I'm sorry, I meant the one that people often quote that God won't give you more than you can handle, but that's not First Corinthians ten thirteen. No no temptation has seized you except what is common to man and God is faithful and not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but if you are tempted he'll provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. The temptation. Yeah. The temptation is greater. We, okay. I hear a lot of people quote the, the phrase that you just said, God may be more than you can handle, and I always tell them that's not true. You do all kinds of things greater than you can handle. Because it's, it's in His power that you yeah. that you can handle all things. Yeah. But He knows your He knows your breaking points, and He's not going to give you. <clears throat> he gives you much farther in the future than you can. <laughs> Amen. You can see God do part. Won't be tempted beyond what you are able to have a way of escape. Yeah. He provide He provides a way of escape. Yeah. So you can stand up under. But then that verse before that too, you know, is is important as well because so many times people think, you know, that they got it all figured out. Too, and we can't boast that we we have it all figured out because whenever we think we do and we can handle whatever's thrown at us, then you know, take heed because you'll you think you stand, but you will fall. James one seventeen. You know, every good and perfect gift comes from above. And so whatever we're given, again, it comes from God. Realize that all we have comes from God. Ron Blue says, when we recognize that God owns it all, you will not fear losing anything because we don't own anything. Because God owns it all. He's just given it to us to steward, to use wisely for His honor and His glory. B is realize that things can't satisfy. Realize that things can't satisfy. Contentment is not in things. When you re recognize that God owns it all, then you're not going to fear losing it. Things can't satisfy. And then C is Trust in God. He will take care of you. Trust in God. He'll take care of you. Again, that Philippians 4.19. My God will supply all your needs according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4.6-7. Be anxious for nothing. Let Him know. Give Him your requests. And He'll give you the peace that surpasses all understanding. We'll learn to be content as we realize all we have comes from God, realize that things can't satisfy, and trust in God to take care of us. And then number three is recognize the difference between needs and wants. God's going to supply our needs Philippians 4.19, Matthew 6.33. He's going to supply our needs, but He doesn't always supply 
our wants and our desires. Now, He may grant us our wants and our desires. He may do that. But we need to be wise in how we use what God has given us. We may want a 2023 Cadillac Escalade, but we need a vehicle to get us from point A to point B. He'll provide the need, but He's not going to necessarily provide the want or the B. desire. I need a B. Keep there in 10 seconds. Realize God supplies all of our needs. So seek the eternal, the ki His kingdom is righteousness. Be content process God will supply and then live wisely with our needs and know the difference between our needs and our desires. Larry Burkett gives three things to help us as we seek to be wise stewards. And number one is to adopt a reasonable standard of living. Adopt a reasonable standard of living. And again, that goes back to that Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Just because, you know, you've got this reasonable standard of living, then your income increases. Don't increase that standard of living to, to fulfill and to spend all that you have. You know, and that's what oftentimes we do. We, we just change that standard of living up to the next level and then up to the next level. And so we never have enough because we're always adjusting that. So ad adopt to a reasonable standard of living. Number two is be generous. If we adopt a, a good standard of living whenever God blesses us with more, then we can be more generous. And then number three is be thankful. You know, so many times we're not thankful because we're not content. We're not satisfied. And so all we're doing is looking ahead. How can I get that next want, that next desire that I have? Bless you. Um, so that's what we're looking at. And we're not thankful for what we already have. We have great things. Like I said, we're living in America, one of the richest places. I mean, we've got home, we've got food, we've got shelter, we've got family, we've got all of these things that we need to be thankful for. We've got life, we've got spiritual life, we've got eternal life, um, you know, and all of those things are, are gifts that God has given to us and we need to be thankful. And so whenever we live with that attitude that, you know, I'm going to live at this standard of living, I'm going to be generous whenever I get more and then I'm going to uh, be thankful for everything that I have, then we can learn to be content. We, are, we can be content in the life that we have. So as we close, let's remember contentment is resting in God rather than going after things. Resting in God rather than going after things. It's a relationship. It's not things. So as we close the study, let's think about may we all be wise stewards. So in the summary, may we all be wise stewards of all that God has given to us.
A steward will use wisely what God has given to him. We're to steward wisely what God has given to us. We are to give cheerfully. We talked about, you know, we're not under the law. Uh, never have been under the law. Um, we're not under a tithe system. We're to give cheerfully as we purpose in our heart. We are to make a budget. Make a budget so that we'll know what we're using, what God has given us on. That we'll see where our money's going. We'll plan for where our money's going before it's gone and wonder where it went. We're to buy wisely. Buy wisely. So we talked about, you know, purchasing things that that last, purchasing things that have quality, um, and then borrowing only as a last option. Borrowing only as a last option. And we saw the difference of saving, investing to purchase versus the cost of borrowing money and how much more you have excess in the end um, whenever you do things the right way. And then contentment or commitment to having our finances and marriage based on biblical truths. So family and marriage based on biblical truths. Family and marriage based on biblical truths. And then the last one, keep the local church accountable. And then the final thing is what we looked at tonight, learning to be content. Learning to be content in whatever we have. So may we be wise stewards of all that God has given to us, being content in whatever our situation is.